But I specifically remember when I was about 18 years old, and I remember driving across this bridge in Anoka, Minnesota. And for some reason at that moment, I, I had this thought, I'm like, you know what? When I when I choose a path, because it's my time now to, to be an adult and make my choices. If it gets difficult, that's the good sign. I am not on the right path and I need to. And I had this like big thought, this is it. And wow, was that just terrible self-advice. It was the worst because I look back after all these experiences. And if I could tell myself, Hey, what would I tell audiences now? If you choose a path, you do solid goal setting, you know, your way, you know what you want. And if it gets hard, you take that as a sign. You are on the correct path that you are learning something. You're growing, you're getting bigger, you're getting stronger, and it is good. Welcome to the Mindset Coach Academy podcast. I'm Lindsay Wilson, and I am a high-performance mindset coach, a mom, a former professional athlete, and an entrepreneur. I help coaches and high performers optimize their mindset to improve their coaching, their performance, and those of their athletes, and their lives. Here, you'll learn all about mindset, how to live it, how to teach it, and how to sell it. Hi, all, and welcome to the Mindset Coach Academy podcast. My name is Lindsay Wilson, and I am so glad you are here with me today. We have two amazing guests, a couple of our certified positive performance mindset coaches, also just badasses in their own right, building mindset coaching businesses, just doing good work in the world, and they get to share so many of their insights and life experiences and what they teach and how they're building their businesses today. I have to apologize because I'm a little bit stuffed up. Probably got it from my kids. <laughs> yes, I will blame them. Got a little cold, so I apologize if I sound a little stuffy. But that did not stop me from doing this amazing interview with Brian Price and Tammy Bartlett. I will let them introduce themselves, but they are badasses. And really what we talked about today is the mindset of being a pilot and their experience, you know, pre-flight and in conflict and 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 talking about nerves and obviously so much of this is applicable to athletics and to life we talked about perfectionism and failure and they just have so many real world experiences that i was scribbling notes half the time just getting their descriptions of how they handle that pressure and what we can all learn from it and whether we're using it in our own lives or with our clients or with our athletes or the students that rely on us you're gonna get a lot out of this interview. So let's do this. Tammy Bartlett and Brian Price. All right. Hi, everybody. And welcome to the Mindset Coach Academy podcast. Obviously, my name is Lindsay Wilson, and I have two very special guests today that I will have them introduce themselves in a second. Today, you guys, as always, I like to nerd out on this stuff. And I go to the podcast planning sessions and I think what would be interesting to me and learning about the mindset of being a pilot is endlessly fascinating. Like when the blue angels come in town in Seattle, everybody else is complaining and I'm sitting there like, holy shit, this is awesome. So we have an amazing two guests today. We have Brian Price and Tammy Bartlett, and we're going to get right into the mindset. They are both certified mindset coaches. So they know about the study of mindset and they also have lived it on a really, really high level. And I think athletics is something that they're interested in, but also um, the mindset of being a pilot. So let's get into it. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Howdy. 
Hi, um, Brian, let's go first with you. Will you give us like the, the elevator pitch, if you will? What are, what are you up to? Uh, what's your background? What are you doing these days? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great to see uh, both of you. Um, and uh, yeah, so Brian Price, uh, born and bred in Jersey. Uh, God's country is what I call it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, three sport athlete growing up, went to West Point, played baseball for them. Uh, when I graduated, I was commissioned as an aviation officer. So I flew attack helicopters for the first half of my 20 year career. Uh, flew the Apache Longbow, had operational experiences in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then the Army sent me to Stanford University to get a PhD in political science and then spent the second half of my career teaching at West Point and running a place there called the Combating Terrorism Center. Uh, while there, I was also able to serve as an assistant coach in the baseball team. And then uh, at 2018, my wife said it was time to, uh, to hang it up. And so I retired as lieutenant colonel in 2018 and went and started a leadership institute at Seton Hall University called the Bucino Leadership Institute, where I worked for the past four years. Uh, 2019, I stood up my company, Top Metal Game, uh, after working with you and getting certified through you and started initially working with uh, athletes in both college and, uh, and high schools. But then that interestingly morphed into doing some corporate leadership development stuff. Uh, so I've been able to work with Fortune 500 companies. I'm an executive coach that works with uh, CEOs and general officers and even NFL players right now. So uh, if you had to kind of uh, put the Venn diagram of leadership and mental performance, I'm right in that in that middle spot there. So uh, looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more about that. All right, Tammy. Tammy Barlett, I uh, grew up in Minnesota. I did soccer gymnastics and track, so very familiar with athletics. And then I went into the Air Force and I became a pilot. I flew the A-10 Warthog. I was a T-37 instructor pilot, and I also transitioned after cervical spine reconstruction into flying unmanned platforms. So I flew the MQ-1 Predator and the MQ-9 Reaper, which is also where I went to weapons school, which is the essentially the top gun program for the Air Force. And then I ended my career as an instructor pilot in the T-38, which is the fighter trainer. I absolutely love teaching. And I did a lot of looking back, I did a lot of mindset coaching during my aviation career, especially at the end, not even realizing I was doing it. And then I retired in 2018 as lieutenant colonel and started a business called Athena's Voice, which is a speaking collective featuring female pilots that we just go speak out into the world, organizations, corporations. And additionally, I decided that I think there's a lot of connection between athletics and the mental game and aviation and the mental game. And I think that if elite athletes are needing mental performance coaches, I think that pilots need them as well. Just like in athletics, it's a, it's a game that just doesn't stop. You can't pull over on a cloud. You have to be mentally prepared for everything at every moment. And so I've kind of shifted in addition to my speaking, I went through your course in what I'm doing is I'm transitioning to be a mental performance coach for aviators. Oh, love it. Okay. The hardest part of this interview is going to be like not asking you guys 1 billion questions because I want to talk about all that. Okay. But tell me, Tammy, I'll start with you. Um, when you think about like your evolution and like looking back now on the mindset, like what do you think from an aviation standpoint, 
like I know as an instructor, you did a lot of mindset. You didn't even know you were doing it, but someone coming in, I mean, they're drinking from the fire hose, I imagine, right? And there's all this stress and pressure. And I imagine a lot of them are going from being the the big fish in a small pond to the opposite. We talked about that before. I just talked to a coach in the SEC and she was just talking about like the freshman experience yeah. of these basketball players coming in and just being like, oh God. So tell me from your personal experience, what was your like mindset evolution, if you will? Like, what was your experience? What was your mental journey, if you will? Yeah, I I think that ultimately the military itself is what transitioned my mindset. Because in the military, although you could quit some things, you really, you don't really, you can't really quit, you yeah. know? Right. And so I think that honestly, in the military, taking away that opportunity to, to think that quitting is even option shifted my mindset towards a I'm I'm not quitting. And what I like to say is I'm going to fail out before I ever bail out yeah. mentality. So because I think that's one of the things that's most important is just that idea of perseverance. And I believe that, you know, there's resilience, which to me is, you know, get knocked down, get back up, get knocked down, get back up. Whereas perseverance is getting back up and pushing forward. And so when, when you, when did you start in the military? How old were you? Imagine. I mean, well, military training, I was 18. I got commissioned as a Lieutenant when I was 21. Okay. And do you feel like, like looking back on that, what do you think, like, were there any like big pivotal moments and like, what would you, you know, working with yourself at 18 or 22 or whatever, what would, what would you want her to know? Yeah, I think that a lot of it has to do with confidence. I look back and I think it's the accomplishments through pilot training. Pilot training is one year long. It's extremely competitive there. Are, and that's what you were talking about, where suddenly you're 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 not the best of the best anymore. You're surrounded by everyone just like you and someone will be at the bottom. And you still have to remember how it, what it took to get yourself there. And remember that you are worth something and you can be confident in that. And as you build your experiences and achieve things, things that you never thought you could pass check rides, you didn't think you could. I mean, I remember pulling into pilot training the first time ever and looking up and realizing that these two T-38s had their gear down and they were landing on the, the runway together. And I knew that they did formation together, but I didn't know they landed together. And all I could think of was, I can't do that. But immediately I, I stopped myself and I said, nope, one step at a time, one small step at a time. I'm going to, I'm just going to drive into the base. I'm just going to find my dorm room. I'm just going to put my uniform on and get show up like little tiny steps, like have the big goal, but take the small steps. And so I think it really was pilot training was pivotal for me and, and ultimately graduating with pilot wings. I find that so interesting. I never really thought about that as, as a, as a civilian that like, you really can't quit, you know, cause I'm like, I'm, again, I'm talking to this coach in the SEC and there's this big thing with the transfer portal. I'm sure, you know, Brian knows all about this where it's a lot easier for kids basically to quit and like go to somewhere else. And you know, not that there's never a reason to transfer. I don't, I don't mean that, but like they're making it easier basically for people to think that it's going to be, you know, I'm talking to this, my cousin about this too. Like she's doing something really hard right now and she, she kind of wants to go somewhere else. And I'm like, it's going to be hard anywhere if you're a driven person, right? Yep. It's going to be hard. There's going to be shitty pieces over here. The grass is not always greener. And so giving people that opportunity, you do start thinking, well, this is going to be, be it's going to, be, it's has to be better over here. You know, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's, that comes out in my keynote in the last section of my keynote, I talk about getting in the zone. And I truly believe that 
where you're going to run like you exactly what you just said, you are going to run into hurdles everywhere you go, no matter where you go. So I think that you need to know your personal core values. First of all, what matters to you, you need to do solid goal setting. And if you can say I did solid goal setting, and that's something I want, then and once you step down that path, you go, I have a no quit mentality, unless there's some major change, because when things get challenging, you need your all of your thought energy towards that objective. You cannot let, well, should I quit sneak in? Yeah. It's going to pull thought energy that you don't have and ultimately potentially create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Totally. That's such a powerful thing. And I think also, you know, it's like for, for those of us that are mindset coaches, I mean, we work with our clients so often on this idea that like, just because your brain is screaming at you, this is the wrong thing. We interpret that as it actually is the wrong thing. Instead of like, our brain is not designed to push us. It really isn't. I mean, it's it's designed to keep us safe. Like in no part of our brain is we're like, let's go up in the air and fly around, right? Yeah. So how did you overcome that? And Brian, I know you have like 1 million things to comment on. So let me, let me just ask Tammy this last thing. How did you allow, like, how did you get control of your brain to do something that really isn't like a natural thing for your brain to want to do? Well, I think that first of all, understanding that piece of it yeah. is the first step. But I specifically remember when I was about 18 years old and I remember driving across this bridge in Anoka, Minnesota. And for some reason at that moment, I, I had this thought, I'm like, you know what, when I, when I choose a path, cause it's my time now to, to be an adult and make my choices. If it gets difficult, that's the good sign. I am not on the right path and I need to. And I had this like big thought, this is it. And wow. Was that just terrible self-advice? It was the worst because I look back after all these experiences. And if I could tell myself, Hey, what would I tell audiences now? If you choose a path, you do solid goal setting, you know, your way, you know what you want. And if it gets hard, you take that as a sign. You are on the correct path that you are learning something. You're growing, you're getting bigger, you're getting stronger. And it is good. Like, so that's, that's one thing I've done when it gets hard. I just go, yep. Thank you. I'm on the right path. Uh I mean, if anybody could take anything away from what all of us teach, that I think is like so powerful. Like when your brain is screaming at you to stop, it actually means you should keep going. Yes. Doing something significant with your life. Absolutely. All right, Brian, I know you got like 1 million things to comment on. So let's go. Here we go. So I I really like that. Um, And and I think it it reminds me, I had an opportunity to interview Julie Foudy. One oh, of the yeah. you know, game's greatest soccer players, one yes. of the greatest uh, you know, American athletes of our time. And I think when your brain is screaming at you, it's an indication that A, there's pressure, but B, that you care about what's what's going on. Yeah. And she, at one point during a World Cup match, went to her, uh, the great sports psychologist that works with the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, Dr. Colleen Hacker, I believe her name is. And she said, uh, I, I, Doc, you, you're the sports psychologist. I, I need you to get rid of my 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 butterflies. Yeah. And she said, no, the butterflies are an indication that you care, that you care about what's going to go on. What you need to do is to get your butterflies to fly in formation. Yeah. And I feel like that's a whether you're we're talking about piloting, we're talking about athletics, whether you're talking about pressure in business, it's, you know, that is an indication that, that you're freaking out, that your mind's screaming at you, that you care. And so how do you then, you know, as Tammy said, how do you persevere and then move forward from that? Um, so it's super, super important. 
I love that. I, uh, and I know Brian, you're, well, all your guys' kids are playing sports. I, my, my daughter's seven, you know, and she hadn't played. We had a bunch of smoke here the last couple of weeks. And so she hadn't played for a couple of weeks and we were going to the game and she was saying she was nervous. And I just think of like how many of us have been taught to tell someone not to be nervous, you know, like, and I almost felt myself like, it's okay. You don't have to be nervous. You know? And then I was like, wait, I'm a mindset coach. No nervous. That means you're ready to play. That's great. Congratulations. And like, we just don't get that message enough. Like, you know, we think like we shouldn't, yeah, we shouldn't have butterflies. We shouldn't be nervous. Um, So I think those are all really great points. And I know things that you guys work with your clients a lot, Brian, as I asked Tammy, Tell me a little bit about, I know you came out of college baseball, but tell me a little bit about your mental evolution, if you will, um, with all your different experiences. Yeah, I think what helped me kind of get out of my own head um, in a lot of places, whether it was sports, because I was an undersized athlete or in aviation, you know, no one, so Tammy was a fixed wing pilot, I was a rotary wing pilot. And, you know, it's not like uh, a lot of people in their spare time, just go fly helicopters. So it's like a new experience for for everybody. Um, and I feel like it's, I'll never forget when we were learning how to fl- actually hover, which is one of the most difficult things to do in a helicopter. Uh, you get it over time, but they kind of compared it to trying to ride a unicycle on a gigantic basketball <laughs> uh, to give you any indication. But I think one of the things that in terms of the evolution of my mindset, something that was helpful that I think is also kind of an officer mindset too, which is mission first, people always. And one of the things that I know helped me get out of my own head, but also helps my athletes get out of their heads, as well as business leaders that I work with, is putting others in front of your own issues, right? Like my team needs me. Um, You know, my my co-pilot needs me. My teammates need me in order to uh, for everyone to perform at the highest level. And so that's one way that I think I was able to kind of get out of my own head, which was to focus on that. And I feel like there's a lot of different times that what we're dealing with is like, how do you deal with pressure ultimately? Yeah. Um, the, the pressure that we feel. And I remember, um, you know, feeling a bunch of imposter syndrome. Probably the biggest one was at Stanford. In one of my first days, one of my classmates sat that down next to me and he asked me what my background was. I shared it. I was already feeling like an imposter anyways at a, a, you know, a elite institution coming from the army. And I asked him what his background was. And he said, well, I graduated uh, college by the age of 16. I was like, like, did you, what? He's like, no, I was, went to UCLA at 16. And then I graduated from Harvard law at the age of 20. And I'm like, I remember going home to my wife saying, I am in the wrong place. I don't deserve to be here. Like I'm, I'm out of my comfort zone. But again, I I love Tammy's advice of um, knowing what you want and then working towards that goal. And I was able to complete my PhD in three years, you know, Um, which, again, it's all of this stems from kind of getting outside of your comfort zone. How do you manage your own pressure and how do you persevere and move forward, as Tammy talked about? Yeah. And so what kind of so we talked a little bit about pressure. I love that idea of putting people first, because I think so often, I mean, I think that's just great advice, whether it's nerves or and really any kind of like negative emotion. It seems like for me, oftentimes, especially being brave, though, like you put other people's first, you think about like what they need. That's why team, I think, is so, so critical and support and team in whatever sense that comes up um, or family or whatever. But um, how do you take now that you guys are both mindset coaches, Tammy, I'll go back to you. How are you taking like what you learned in your, your whole career? Obviously 
we taught some things in the certified in the certified coach stuff, but how are you like actually taking someone and practicing these things? I know that's kind of a big question. Maybe it's just one or two things that you that you teach them. But how do you how do you move someone from I want this life from where they are? Well, one thing I like to focus on because it's often a common problem is confidence. And it's such a difficult thing because a lot of people, you know, for me, how could I be confident about something if I haven't actually accomplished it yet? So that was something I had to learn. And it took me a long time. So if I can teach someone how to do that earlier, that's even better. And part of the reason it took me a long time was because my mindset around answering questions confidently. So let me explain. So when I was, when I was in Korea flying the A-10, well, I would study in the vault, which is just a, a locked classified. It's just a room. And I remember I was in there one day and the weapons officer walked in. So he's the chief instructor pilot in the squadron. And he threw out a question and I immediately knew the answer, but I paused just because that in standard Tammy fashion, just make sure it's right. I can see it in the book somewhere. I want to make sure. And in the meantime, somebody else answered and they answered incorrectly. But I recognized that this person answered the question as if it was the answer. And I thought to myself, after all these years, I'd been in the military for like five years at this point. And I thought, huh? So that's what they've all been doing. They just answer it with like uber confidence but that wasn't, that wasn't the hitch. I was trying to figure out why do I have such, such trouble doing that? Cause I, I knew I was supposed to do that. But what I realized was that it felt like I was being dishonest. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know the answer and I spit it out as if it was the answer, I felt like I was lying. So once I recognized that mindset around answering confidently, it was much easier for me. Well, it's, it wasn't easy right away, but I, I actually could overcome it because I knew why I was not answering confidently. So what I did was I, I started to just throw out the answers, even if I wasn't hundred percent certain. And I realized that 90% of the time, the answer that I thought was probably not even right was right. And it was just an incredible boost for my confidence. So it, and it just kind of like snowballed from that point. So that's been really helpful. And then the other thing I think is important is flying the plane. So when everything goes, starts going wrong, you can't just, like I said, you can't just pull over on a cloud there. You have to deal with it. But how do you deal with it when you're starting to freak out thinking, I can't believe this is happening. Weather's rolling out. I have an emergency. I'm going to have to shut an engine down or whatever is going on. You have to handle it. We just go back to the basics, what the Air Force taught me, which was aviate, navigate, communicate, which sounds simple, but ultimately it's applicable to not just aviation. I mean, people aren't really flying planes, but take that and and convert it into whatever you're working on. But so the aviate, just fly the plane, make sure I'm not going to hit the ground. I'm at a safe airspeed. Just kind of go back to the basics. And you can't just say, go back to the basics. You have to give yourself some steps like this, aviate, navigate, communicate. So then, okay, where am I going? What where am I going to put this plane last? Who am I going to talk to? Cause a lot of times people go right to the comm. They go right to talking and that's dangerous because you have to fly the plane first. So how does that apply to whatever you're working on or whatever business you're in or whatever sport you're in? So those two things I thought were, were really helpful and they really help a lot of people as a confidence and then a, a way to go back to the basics and get yourself calm again in a stressful moment. Mm, I love that. Brian, what about you? You know, first off, uh, Tammy reminded me of a great aviation quote, which is uh, when she's talking about flying the plane, which is takeoffs are optional, landings are mandatory. 
And so, uh, you know, how that, you get to determine what, you know, oftentimes what that type of landing is. But yeah, I, I love the fly the plane reference. Um, in terms of how do we, you know, work with clients and how do we get them to, uh, to where they want to go? I think the first step, and this is like any type of coaching, whether you're talking about mental performance coaching or leadership coaching, is getting that individual to uh, have some semblance of self-awareness. Right. Not only of uh, what they want to accomplish, but also what are those obstacles that are standing in their way. And in some cases, maybe a lot of cases, even when you work with athletes or, or folks that you're coaching, uh, there are some blind spots that have existed. Right. Some uh, uh, some scar tissue in terms of their own identity over time that uh, uh, that we need to work through. You know, one of the things that I, I talk about in, in my keynote is uh, when it comes to. Like we never think twice about updating our software on our phones, right? As soon as Apple sends me that notification that says like, hey, you got to update, man, I can't hit that thing install fast enough. Right. Uh, and you know, you know, when I when I talk to audiences, I usually say out there like, is anybody else out there rocking like iOS one software on your phone? No, of course not. You automatically update it. But when was the last time that you updated your most important software, right? Which is which is our mindset. Um, and then the second thing is, I think particularly with this younger generation where they have to live on social media and the the fear of FOMO and you know the status comparisons that they put themselves against with their peers, unfortunately, um, is trying to decouple their identity from you know like their self esteem from their what they do. So instead of saying like, I am a baseball player or, you know, I am a softball player, I want to decouple that. And I want to say, no, you're the awesome kid, brother, son, daughter, whatever, but you also happen to play and kick butt at your particular sport. And so let's figure out how to maximize your potential over here, but make no mistake, don't, you know, and I think that's what is a large problem with a lot of athletes is that coupling of their performance with their self-esteem. And I think that's dangerous. So, but some of the things you guys talked about, I think are um, so applicable to so many of our listeners. I know that's applicable to me. I'm sure you guys went through this. I think it's big in the military and in athletics. And that is, Tammy, you were talking about this a little bit is, so we want people that fly our planes and perform at a high level to be, very driven and very precise. <laughs> Let's put it that way, right? And to to some degree, that is what p- people are attracted to, right? As far as getting into the military, playing a high level sport, it's almost like this perfectionism thing, right? Like we want to do things right. We want to have the right answer. We are our ego is so connected to our performance, and I think we want people to experience that. And then at some point that is a real hindrance to, to growth. And I see this a lot with, you know, you guys have been in the certification. A lot of our certified coaches grew up like this. You know, a lot of us that are high performing driven people, we have this mentality and I'm just interested in either your personal experience or experience with clients of like, how do you morph that into, you know, not being so scared of failure, especially when you're talking about something that you know, failure is really significant for pilots, right? Like how do you balance that and find that ease and flow or whatever you want to call it? And um, yeah, I think that's my question. Tammy, do you want to start with that? Yeah. One of the things I would always teach my students, and obviously this is something I needed to learn as a student as well, 
but I spent a lot of time in the instructor seat, which is why I'm referencing the instructor side of it. But I would tell them the only difference between you and me is how many mistakes you make and how big they are. There's no perfect flight. No pilot will ever fly a perfect flight. So it's just a matter of making those mistakes smaller and smaller. And I would share with them that I made mistakes too. And I try to share the mistakes I do make so that people can see, oh, it's okay. Now for me, one of the most challenging experiences I had was was going to weapons school. So I went to weapons school, which is six months long. I left when my children were 18 months old and three months old. It was the most difficult thing I have probably ever done. And I knew that I wasn't going to keep up if I didn't like ask my questions as they came, because it was such a challenging program. And Did so pregnant and had a, like an infant when you were going through weapons school, I had an 18 month old and a three month old. Did I misspeak? No, I was just saying when you, I thought when you ended or when you started, when you started, when I, when I, when I left, I had an 18 month old and a three month old. When they asked me, I was pregnant. Like when they asked me to go, I was pregnant. Got it, got it, got it. And then they actually reneged and were like, well, maybe not. And I said, nope, too late. Sorry, I'm going. Um, So I showed up at weapons school with a three-month-old baby, leaving the baby at home. Yeah. So hard enough as it is, let's, even if you're just going to like a regular job. (laughs) It was, uh, it was quite challenging. It was one of the things that I would never take back, but I'm not sure I'd do it again. (laughs) But I was determined, I was bound and determined that I was going to make it through this. And I knew that I had to keep up. I felt, I felt like I was surrounded by people who were well above me and I couldn't keep this perfectionist mentality because that's, you're not going to survive like that. You have to ask questions. And so one of the things I did was I made a pact with myself. I made a decision that no matter what, unlike I'd done in the past, if I had a question in class, I was going to raise my hand and I was going to ask it. And again, here it is small steps towards big goals. But one of the things I like to say is you make a decision, it's the decision. We're, we're not quitting on that. In this case, I'm not quitting on that decision. So I remember thinking the first time I went to go raise my hand, I thought, oh gosh, here I go. I am going to show everybody that I don't belong here. And, but I, you know, I did it anyways. And I just, I kept doing it and I kept doing it. And I thought, first of all, I was going to show everybody I didn't belong there. And second of all, that I was going, going to be one of that student in the class who asked so many questions that it makes class go long and everybody's annoyed like that person, you know, but what was really funny was I discovered that that wasn't the case almost every day after class. People came up to me and almost under their breath, they would say, I'm so glad you asked that question. I was wondering the same thing. And it made me just realize that people just aren't as brave socially as they could be. And and that's what I was doing. I was just putting myself out there and being vulnerable and then realizing that everybody else was just like me. So it took me being vulnerable to realize that I didn't have to keep this perfectionist standard which, which made me progress much quicker. And I ultimately helped everyone else in the class as well. Well, I mean, that, I think that's so much of like when we're working with a team, right? I mean, you guys know this, like when you go work with a team, some of what we do is just bringing to the surface what everybody's thinking and feeling already. And right. that alone, if we teach them nothing else is so powerful because everybody thinks they're all alone in their struggles. Everybody right. are the only ones that get nervous or the only ones. And, and I think also like that idea of like, I imagine so much of what you guys practiced with your training is like what we talked about earlier, which is overcoming your brain's natural instinct to play small, right? To not raise your hand, to not like push yourself to, to not go <laughs> the, the optional takeoff, you know, like 
we right. have to listen to our brain, but not make right. all our decisions based on it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, um, you know, what Tammy's describing is kind of like a growth mindset, right? Which is, yeah, really, is to yeah. fight against those tendencies to play small and to put yourself out there. And I think the challenge, whether you're talking about athletic teams or businesses, is when you have a culture that doesn't identify that and where everyone is playing small ball and imposter syndrome is put at scale. Imagine what that does in every meeting, right? Where people are afraid to say, I don't understand this. And that is pervasive across the organization. I mean, that leads to, you know, bad problem solving, slower innovation, um, ultimately the bottom line. And on teams, you know, that translates into fewer people experimenting with stuff. And I think, you know, tying this back to your the discussion about the fear of failure, like make no mistake about it. The fear of failure is a powerful fuel. Like it will make people do things. It'll make, you know, it is a fuel. Yeah. But to be honest, I think that people mistake that as being the ultimate level of their performance. And what I usually tell people is, is mm -hmm. like, you are succeeding, in my opinion, in spite of your fear of failure. Imagine what you would be like if you removed that fear of failure and you were uh, succeeding, chasing something that you love or want to, you know, uh, that you are so passionate about being involved in. I once had a, I, I was an assistant coach for a head coach that ruled under fear, right? And very high performing program. But I, I talked to him and I said, your players perform for you because they fear you. Imagine how much they would perform for you if they, if they loved you. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that that's an important difference. So for those out there that are thinking to themselves, ah, fear of failure is is my fuel. It gets me going. I say yes, but it's capping your potential um, to a certain point. Imagine if you remove that fear. You know, I, I think you're you're succeeding in spite of your fear of failure, not because of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I um, it's so funny you say that because I'm doing a video later today and I'm talking about like how often we are trying to achieve something and it's like we're in like one of the like go-karts where you're like pressing the gas and the brake at the same time you know when you first get on one you're like whoa and then then you kind of figure it out but in the beginning you because it's two two pedals you're like you're doing both right and you, you can't be moving forward and also holding yourself back and expect to be going at the correct speed um i love all this all right tell me about and Brian, do you have any experience with this, like in your, either with your clients or, I mean, you just gave an example of the executives, but um, where this like came up for you either personally or with one of your clients, like, like perfectionism, fear, failure, anything like that? Oh, 1000%. Um, and what's kind of ironic is I think some people think that once you make it to a certain position, whether that's the major leagues or the NFL, or you make it to the C-suite, that those things go away. And if anything, those feelings are are amplified, right? And so uh, that's one kind of crazy thing that I've I've kind of learned in most likely my executive coaching uh, component. Where you know, again, I have an eclectic group of general officers that I'm working with right now, to include the Air Force, um, uh, you know, folks that are playing professionally in these other places. Those feelings of imposter syndrome and stuff, you know, doesn't they don't abate? Yeah. And I think. You mentioned this, I think, Lindsay, at the outset, which is step one is being self-aware that those things exist, right? Like, let's let's put those out out there. And I think when organizations do that and they put it out there, 
Um, I mean, one, one good example here is the seals, right? Think about how closely the seals are. And one of the reasons why I think they're so successful is because the training that they go through to become seals strips away initially any ego that you have. Like when you're freezing to death half naked with two other guys that you need to, you know, be next to you for warmth and to stay alive, you know, that makes that you a lot more vulnerable that allows you when you're in the classroom to say, hey, I don't understand because you're not worried about their, you know, self-incrimination of you or whatever. But um, I don't know, I'm sure Tammy's got some interesting things on this as well. Tammy, do you have anything? Uh, it just, you know, it just brought up a lot of people not dealing with the emotional side of just struggles. And we haven't really, you know, I don't really think we've talked about that, but you have the fear of failure, but let's say you do have a failure. What, what do you do with that? You know, do you, do you end up quitting or do you process through it and move on? I, I think a lot of people will do the push it aside and like the emotions of the failure and, and just push aside and pretend it doesn't exist. But what I like to compare that to is the little kid in the scary movie who, when the bad guy comes in the room, he covers his eyes and he says to himself, you can't see me. He can't see me. He can't see me. And you know, you're literally watching the movie like kid that that doesn't work. Like get out of there. It doesn't work. Yeah. And the same thing happens with our emotions. There's a battle going on inside of us. And if we don't acknowledge that battle, they're fighting. Our enemy is fighting us and we're not fighting back. And eventually it's going to take over. Yeah. So what does that all mean? To me, it just means taking time to process through and acknowledge that emotions that come with it. Like when I, when I've had failures in the past, I want to come home and I just want to put my head down and start working. Um, but I, but I know that the emotions that come with that failure need to be processed through. So as much as at the time, it feels like a waste of time to get angry or journal or cry or whatever it is, you need to let it out because I do that. And I let it out. Then I can actually put my head down and move forward without this, you know, speed yeah. pulling on me, pulling me back and holding me back. And I can just, I'm free to move forward and it won't eventually come up and, and bite my butt, if you will, and surprise me because I've dealt with it. I love that. Cause I think so much of like the, when we're, we're really getting to failure here, but like that idea of like, you know, we talk about in the certification of like, it's, it's about the story you tell yourself. And if you don't even tell any story, you're going to be just, you're going to have something in your brain about what that failure meant. And I think you know, this is what we do sometimes with the post competition too, is like, you're going to, I know you, I need, I'm sure you guys do a debrief post flight, like what went well, what didn't go well and not get all wigged out about it, no. but like not making it mean you're a bad pilot or bad basketball player or bad person, like processing what happened. That is such a, an unrecognized skill in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, in we, the, oh, go ahead, I was, was going to say in the debrief, we process through what happened, but it's really important to figure out the like why it happened and what we're going to do next time. Yep. So next time I will, you, know, you have to identify what is the root cause. Cause oftentimes you don't actually identify the, if you don't dig it out, you think that the cause is a, but it's really something much deeper when you say, well, why did that happen? Well, why didn't you keep going? Then you can actually address the root cause and then you can move forward. Yeah, I, I was just going to add, like, the analogy that comes to mind is, like, a pool. Now, I don't have a pool, but if I did, you have to buy a filter with the pool, yeah. right? Like, um, the the pool is going to get, like, there's going to be imperfections that come in, whether it's leaves, bugs, animals, you know, algae. You need a filtration system to deal with that, that muck. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, like, when Tammy talks about the folks that want to do this, 
that's like acting like you don't need a filtration system for, for your pool. Um, you got to clean it out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you guys have a couple more minutes? Okay. Last thing I want to do is just talk about how you're using your mindset training from the last, your whole life right now in your life, in your business, what's your struggles? What are you, how are you applying this to, um, let's start with you, Tammy. How is that it's applying to Tammy's life right now in your business? Yeah, I think that I'm constantly, you mean like what struggles am I having that I'm using mindset? To and struggles and just like what, where, state of the union, like what are you working on now with your mindset in your life or in your business? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, conf, a constant, I have a constant battle with imposter syndrome. And I think for me, it's because I'm still feel like I'm in the shift from being in the military onto into the civilian world and kind of defining my role and who I am and what I do. Because leaving the Air Force as a pilot, and this is very common, is you think, well, I'm a pilot. What else am I going to do? I only fly planes. Right. You have to think much bigger than that because what we've done is way bigger than just fly planes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of leadership. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of mindset work that goes into, into flying. And so I think for me, I just continue to battle that imposter syndrome and recognize that it's okay. And I continue to, you know, fail and keep going, whether it's small failures or big failures, but I just, I just take what I have learned as far as that goes and, and move on because you were talking about, we we're talking about perfectionism. We switched back into failure, but in my opinion, they're connected because if you're a perfectionist and you fail now you feel like you have failed, mm -hmm. but you got to shift that mindset again to that failure is part of the process. And like I said, I, I'm going to fail out before I bail out. Mm, love that. Brent, what's going on with you? Yeah. So in terms of mindset, I had to put my mindset to the test recently, um, where after I left the military, I led this uh, leadership institute at Seton Hall University for four years. Uh, super proud that in June, we were named uh, the country's most outstanding program by the Association of Leadership Educators. So from four years, you know, from scratch to that, it was, was awesome. But uh, for reasons that I'll share for another time, I decided to make a pivot, a career pivot, which was, uh, no, I was not going to do that anymore. And I decided to cash in all my chips on doing all the other stuff I'm doing now in terms of uh, leadership development, mental performance, working with athletes, working with businesses and doing keynote speaking and coaching. And Are so- Are you doing that full time now? Full time, full board. I didn't know that. The Congrats. announcement is to me. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> um, a big shift, right? I mean, so many of our mindset coaches are do have this as a side hustle to start with until they can build it up and and you did it. That's awesome. Yeah, well, and you deserve thanks for that, right? Because I think the stuff that I learned in your certification program helped me give the kind of self-courage to make that decision and to bet on myself, right? Um, you know, one of the things that I think is helpful advice for, for anybody because we are caught up in our imposter syndrome and caught up in our own heads, and sometimes it's not logical as we've discussed, is, uh, and I used this with a client the other day, I said, if, you're, if you, your best friend was in your situation, what advice would you give that best friend? And we all generally know the answers in those cases, yeah. but it's like, you know, accepting that advice. And so uh, anyways, yeah, so I'm, I'm all in, but having to, to work through that imposter syndrome that Tammy talked about uh, myself and, and kind of betting on myself, which is scary. Yeah, of course. And we know now that that's 
our brain is is in the right direction. It's just telling us the wrong thing. That's right. <laughs> All right. Where can everybody learn about you guys? Tammy, go go first. Well, you can go to athenasvoiceusa.com and you can also find me on, on LinkedIn, a little bit Instagram, not so much, but LinkedIn and Facebook. It's Tammy Barlett, T-A-M-M-Y. Last name is B-A-R-L-E-T-T-E. And who are you mostly working with? I know you said fire pilots. When, is there anybody else that should look you up and, and hire you? Well, you know, again, I'm, I'm still doing the speaking. I, I have a keynote on perseverance and, you know, how do you not quit when everything inside of you wants to quit? Yeah. <laughs> and then I also do do the coaching. I, I can, I mean, I co- coach beyond aviators. That's just my focus because that's my specialty. But, yeah. you know, I can work with athletes and business people as well. It's, it's really a broad spectrum mental, you know, the mindset piece and the aviation piece really marries well with a lot of other industries. Yeah, well, anybody would be lucky to work with you. Brian, what about you? Where can we find you and who should be working with you? Absolutely. So I'm at Top Mental Game. Uh, so online, topmentalgame.com and also on Instagram. If you want to follow me on LinkedIn, uh, I spell my first name with a Y the right way. Uh, B-R-Y-A-N uh, Price in terms of people who should work with me. Uh, primarily working right now with uh, athletic teams, mostly college, a little bit of high school. Um, some in the pros, but also uh, on on in the business side of the house. Uh, love doing team effectiveness. Love doing one on one executive coaching. But uh, working with some high performing teams. Nice, yeah, guys. If you're looking for a speaker or a coach, um, both of you guys I know are just amazing. I'm so proud to have you on this podcast and so excited to, to watch how you continue to take this work out into the world. So thank you for joining us today, guys. Go check them out on all the social channels I just mentioned. And we will see you soon for some more mental game um, podcast coming up and you guys all have a great day. Bye for now. Oh my goodness, you guys, I love this interview. I love those two as mindset coaches of students and just as humans, like they have just been a pleasure to have in our community. And I just wanted to reiterate that this podcast, I think this is something that was definitely shareable. If you know anybody that's interested really in the, in the, the pressure of performance. And I think piloting is such a good example of how we can manage our mindset. We can manage our thoughts and to be able to do this allows us to do amazing things in our life. And of course, they're not only doing amazing things in their uh, military careers, but now they're doing it as mindset coaches and proud to have been their teacher through the Mindset Coach Academy. And of course, proud to just have been part of their success in working with people and their businesses are building. And it's just really, really cool to see them taking this to the world because so many people need their coaching. And I hope if you haven't already to follow them on social media and reach out to them. They do a lot of wide range of work. So they can work with you individually or if you're in an athletic department or even in a, in a corporate world, you could get them to come in. You might be thinking after listening to them that you are also interested in being a certified coach. And if you are, our certification opens early 2023. So you should definitely get on the wait list. But I do want you to to check if you're also having some sort of imposter syndrome, because to be honest, when I get on with Tammy and, and Brian, I also look at them and think, holy shit, they're at a really high caliber level. <laughs> and so if you're feeling that, don't worry, I feel it too. But I also want to encourage you to take a step forward. If you want to be a mindset coach, 
download our Ultimate Mindset Coaching Toolkit, it will take you from the sidelines to working with your first practice client. And I guarantee that they started working with a first practice client. I know because that's what we do in the Mindset Coach Academy. And this is really the first step. And the link is in the show notes. It's also on positiveperformancetraining.com. And I really encourage you, if you have any desire to be a mindset coach, or you have any desire to think that you maybe might want to at some point be a mindset coach and build a business like they are, download that guide, follow it. You will be sitting across from your first practice client very soon if you choose to, if you go through the steps that we teach and you can do it. So go ahead, download the Ultimate Mindset Coaching Toolkit and get started on your path the way that they did with working with your first client in order to to be a mindset coach someday. So anyway, I love this interview. If you liked it, rate and review us. It really does help. And we will see you again very soon on the Mindset Coach Academy podcast. But special thanks to Brian and Tammy for joining us. All right, guys, have a great day and we will see you soon. Hey, if you love this episode, make sure to check out all of our free and paid resources over at positiveperformancetraining.com. You want to take mindset training to the next level? We got you. But here are three more specific ways. If you want to take mindset training and live it more in your life, definitely subscribe to this podcast. We send out bonus episodes. We have our mental Mondays. We have interviews and training episodes. Definitely subscribe. If you want to teach it, meaning taking it to your athletes or your clients, I highly recommend Psychology of Competition. Again, you can check that out at positiveperformancetraining.com. It is a great course that will teach you and your athletes how to have pre, during, and post-competition routines to up your performance. And if you want to learn how to have a mindset coaching business in order to sell mindset coaching, highly recommend signing up for our waitlist for our next certification cohort, which usually opens about once a year. But in the meantime, go to positiveperformancetraining.com and check out our ultimate mindset coaching toolkit. Well, it will show you exactly how to get started with your first mindset coaching clients. Again, go to positiveperformancetraining.com for all of our free and paid resources.